0: In 2017, our theme is Light of Life, and I'm so thankful to those of you who have signed up to take part in the Light of Life projects. Uh, I know that some of you are wondering, when are the, when is that going to start and how is it going to happen? Your coordinators will be contacting you if they haven't already very soon. Uh, either by Facebook or email uh, they will be in touch with you very quickly and we are uh, excited for the work to begin but they have a, a few logistical things to get worked out and uh, some of you have been asking when are we going to see all these pictures and things and uh, we're going to show those too but we got the work's got to start and then we'll begin so continue to start using those hashtag ns lights as we as you start and begin getting involved we are in the series called reset ...and focusing on when you're ready to begin again. We started by talking about how to reset your life. And the only true reset button is, of course, Jesus. How to reset your priorities... Uh, with seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And last week we talked about resetting my values, how to, how to put your treasure and your heart in the same place. Today will be the last of this series where we talk about resetting our thinking. And this one is so important uh, that I really wanted to finish up on it so that we can be uh, believing on the right thinking about how to reset the practical behaviors in our lives. Uh, first is when we think about our thinking, the first thing that we have to do is be willing to let Christ have control. Uh, there's a beautiful phrase that Paul uses in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, when he says, "We make it our aim to let to take every thought and make it captive." To our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I, I love the idea. I'm not there yet. I, I aspire to get to that point. But it is hard. And do you know why it's hard? Because most of the time when we focus on focusing on our thinking, when we think about our thinking, what we, what we do is say, well, I just got to I just got to think better. I just got to try harder. I just got to remove all the bad stuff. I got to start thinking about better things. And some of those things are true But we need to start with usually where the preacher ends, and that is our need for Christ. And not just our need for him, but our need to let him have full control. Romans chapter 8 says that your mind, this space right here between your ears, by itself is hostile to God. Turn to Romans 8, let's look there for just a minute. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 9 It says, uh, Paul writing to the church at Rome says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. But by yourself, it's not possible for you to get control of your mind. Only Christ can take your hostile mind and get it in servitude to God. He goes on. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however. Are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. That's very important what he just said there. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, a lot of times I'll get to a sermon. I'll get to the end and I'll say, you need Christ. You need to be buried with Christ so that you can have the forgiveness of sins. And that's true. But the Bible teaches that the forgiveness of sins is not the only thing that happened when you were immersed under the water. That what happened there was, is that you were reborn. That you, Acts 2.38 says that you not only receive the forgiveness of your sins, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. And He dwells in you. And He takes control. Not in a magical, mystical, weird sort of way where you lose all control of your thoughts and all of that. It's that He comes to dwell within you. To take control... To get to take your mind and make it captive to Christ. This is what he says. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now you think, well, what's the big deal about this? The big deal is this. Sometimes you'll hear churches say, well, we're, we're big on baptism. We, we have baptismal service. The only reason they do that is to, so that you can become a member. But you press them and you say, do you need to be baptized to be a Christian? And they'll say, no, no, absolutely not. The Bible teaches very clearly that the water is important because it's the moment where your slate is wiped clean. But what happens when you keep putting marks on that slate? The Spirit, the Spirit, he works within you. To achieve that which you cannot achieve on your own, because your natural mind is hostile to God. In order for you to have any lasting effect, when we talk about resetting your mind, it must be completely and fully yielded to Christ. He must have hold of the steering wheel. The Spirit must be guiding the process. If you start with yourself, in your natural mind you'll mess it up every time. But if you start with Christ and you let Him have control... Then we're starting on the right foundation. Number two, if you are going to guard your mind, you have to keep your guard up. Even after giving control to Christ, you have to be vigilant about watching what goes into your mind. I don't know how many of you have, uh, I don't know, what do you do to guard your house? It's interesting to me that, I know I'm not getting political here, but... There's a lot of folks that are really worried about the wall and us building this big old wall on our southern border. And my opinion on that is I'm not going to say because I'm a smart preacher. But what's interesting to me is there's a lot of people who are very wealthy and powerful who say you should not have a wall. It's not right to have a wall. And they are surrounded by bodyguards. Their homes are surrounded by walls where not just anybody can walk in. To me, that's hypocrisy, right? They're, they're kind of inconsistent in their talk and their walk. I only bring that point up to say this. What do you use to guard your house? You have locks on your doors, your windows? You have an alarm system? You have, uh, you have weapons? Well, you, you do those things as precautionary measures. In the event that someone might try to come in and capture and take hold of your home, the people within your home, the stuff within your home. So you set up precautions. That's a normal, logical, rational thing to do. Here at Northside, we have we have a ministry called the Northside Watchers to be a part of the Northside Watchers. You just have to be an imposing looking figure like myself. You have to be able to squint like this. And never smile. And all they do, their, their whole job is to watch. Isn't that weird? You say see, that seems like a strange thing for a church. But several years ago, we had some people come into the parking lot. And because many churches, you know, you just assume everybody there means good and they means well. But there were people come in the parking lot and they break open a window and, and take a purse and break into the vehicles and so we, we need some, some people who are assigned just to watch. There are people in here, in this room and in the foyer. They are the Northside Secret Service. And they got the little microphones on. They use code names. We got chubby preacher up front. They are, their goal is to keep their guard up. Their, their job is to watch out. of the time, we hope their jobs are very uneventful. But we're prepared if someone were to try to come in and cause harm. You think about your personal home, you think about your church. My question for you is, what do you do to guard your mind? How do you guard that which is so precious to God? Do you just let anything in there? Do you just let anyone in there? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. You'll turn there. Proverbs chapter 4 23. You probably heard this verse before. The writer says, keep your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. you got to pay attention to your heart. That after you've locked the doors and set the alarm... And you sit down on the couch because you're secure, right? No one can get you. And you turn on the television. And you start scrolling through Netflix. And you watch something that you know you shouldn't be watching. And here's the test for that. If at that very moment I knocked on your door. And I said, hey, can I come in? That's kind of weird. What would be your reaction to what's showing on Netflix? Oh man, you better change that real quick. If a shepherd came to your house and said, "Can I see your DVD collection? Can we sit down and watch some of these movies together?" You might think that Clayton was stalking you, and he would be. My question is, what are you doing because we can't do that? What are you doing to protect what goes into your mind? You got to be you got to be vigilant. The scripture says, "Uh, what do you do to keep from watching CNN?" And CNN, you know, the constant negative news. And you watch that all the time. And it applies toward other stations. That just the acronym works. But news is all about the negative. It is not their job to say, hey, everything is great today. There is absolutely nothing to be worried about. Now, their job is to keep you tuned in. The only way they can do that is to make you afraid. You watch that stuff all the time, and it affects the way you think. What about the comparison trap of social media? Now, I'm not just looking at right at the teens. They're in a lot of social media, but you all are too. People my age have Facebook accounts, and they scroll through, and they see what other people's kids are doing. Just the other day, I'm like... There's the triplets all their girls got some awards and stuff in gymnastics and they're doing great. But for a moment, I hate to confess this for a moment, I had this thought in my mind like, ah, oh, I wish my kids were as good as the triplets. I need to. And I need to do that. It's a comparison trap. You look at a family and they post their pictures on there of their vacation. They say, well, I wish we could take vacations like that. I wish we could do things like that. So we get into this comparison trap because we're letting other people's influence into our lives. What about negative music? What kind of what kind of lyrics are you listening to? Raindrop. Drop top. He's preaching and he won't stop. Now it's very likely that no one else understood what I referenced there, okay? Except this group right here. We're all in a little club. It's cool. But as an old person on social media, and I kept seeing this stupid raindrop drop top, and I was like, what is that? So I Google it. And now all the parents are like, raindrop drop, what is this? Mean? <laughs> it is the lyrics to a horrible song. And you all know that. And I know that you know that I know that. But my question to you is, what is that? What seeds is that putting into your mind? Because even if you didn't know the song, you did the same thing. You looked it up so you'd know what was going on. You looked at the lyrics and you thought, oh, that's what I need to listen to to be accepted. Raindrop. Drop top. Pay attention to what goes into your minds. Because it's not just about what's on the television, it's about what you're scrolling through. One of the biggest poisons that seeps through our pews right now, and that breaks up families and that breaks the heart of God, is the influence of pornography. And it's a silent killer among churches, and churches don't talk about it enough. And I'm so thankful that we have Celebrate Recovery, and we're a church that we deal with that kind of stuff on a regular basis. But if you're feeding that stuff into your mind, it is polluting the gift of sexuality that God gave you with absolute filth. And if you're a man of God, and you're watching that stuff, and you think it hurts no one, You need to repent. By the way, if you're a woman of God and you're watching that stuff, if you're letting that stuff into your marriage, you need to stop. It's not. It's taking the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful gifts that God gave a man and a woman to keep their marriage together and polluting it and twisting it and warping their minds and perverting it. That's what the enemy has always done. And it breaks God's heart. That there are marriage beds that are impure and unholy because of the silent killer of pornography. There's a lot more negative stuff. There's negative people. You got those people in line that, at, your, at your where you work, and they're just the constant gossip. And they're just always telling you about all the negative stuff about everyone else. You need to disassociate yourself from that person. Because I guarantee you, as soon as you walk away from the conversation... What are they talking about? Talking about you. That's poison. It's poison for the mind. and If you don't guard yourself against it, you'll become like it. Negativity and complaining. And Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said this. Verse 17. Do you see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth... Proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness and slander. My question is, Jesus says, yes, murder is bad and adultery is bad. But where that starts is the hatred in your heart or the lust in your heart. Where it starts with is in your heart and in your mind. My question is, how did that stuff get there? How did that stuff get into your mind and into your heart? You've probably seen this illustration. Um, If you think of this water bottle as your mind, as your heart, and it starts off like this some people teach that you're born sinful, and that's not true. God God wouldn't create a sinful creature, you're born innocent and pure. And yet, you get the choice every single day what you're going to allow into the heart. Whether it's people or television or social media or the news or your music or your movies, your entertainment. Every single time you listen to something, you watch something, you just are pouring something into your heart. And it may just be a little bit. But it, it spreads throughout the whole part. And, and the more that you add, the more influence that it, that it has on your life. And human beings are so naive. We think, oh, I, I can listen to that stuff. It doesn't affect me. Oh, I can watch the nudity in the language. It doesn't affect me. And that's a lie. That's a lie of the enemy. Here in what? A week? Um, Many companies are going to pay multiple millions of dollars so that they can get 30 seconds of exposure to your heart during a football game. Now, you tell me why they're willing to pay millions of dollars for 30 seconds of exposure. Because they know it makes an impact. Here's the hard part. You say, I've let all this negative stuff, I'm, I'm just... Completely defeated by pornography. I've let all this language and I I talk like a sailor during the week. I I have all of this junk that I've watched on television and in my music and it's now all in there. I wish I could just get that stuff out. But it's near impossible to do instantaneously. You know, I can pour some of this out. I'm not going to, but pour some of this out. What do I have? Just a little bit less of red water, right? Right. What I have to do, the only way to get that stuff out is to put it under a faucet and just pour the good stuff back into it. My question to you this morning is, what are you pouring in to your heart? Because you only get out of your heart what you allow in it. And once it's in there, once it's in there, it's completely It becomes a new challenge to get that stuff and that junk out of there. Whatever you allowed in it, you've got to make a choice that you're going to put some different things in there. So my question is this morning to answer, to ask the question of yourself, what's in your water? What's in your mind? What stuff's in there that shouldn't be there? What stuff's in there that should be there? What... Flushing system do you have to put in the good and keep out the old? How do you keep your guard up against just letting anything and everything in there? If you want to reset your thinking, first you have to let Christ take control and then you have to keep your guard up against all the influences that you have. And there are so many. It's so easy to let the Negatives override the positives. When we think about our theme for the year of the, the light of life, I want you to think about this. Light shines best through pure lives. We, we said at the beginning that when we turn off all the lights and we t- turn on the lights behind the stained glass window, that we are a conduit for the light. We're not the light. Jesus is the light. But my question is, or my, my point is, how you How Jesus shines through your life depends on how muddy it is. If you've got clear water and it's good stuff, Jesus shines right through that very easily. But if if it's gunked up, if you go to church an hour a week and you fill your mind with garbage on Netflix, on on television, in the movies, the music you're listening to, the news you pay attention to, what's on your social media, etc. If you just fill your mind full of that junk, it's very hard for people to see the light. Because it's so muddied by, your mind is so muddied by everything else. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Live as children of light, meaning let that light shine through the water of your heart and your mind and make sure it's as clear as possible. Number three, you've got to focus on God's word. We live in a world of, and I am as guilty as anyone, constant input. Constant input. It is so rare that we have times when when we just shut it off. I want to challenge you this week to have a time of disconnect. Take some time each day. Pick one day this week. And don't tweet about it or whatever. Just (laughs) a disconnected hashtag holy moment. (laughs) Just disconnect. And begin to think about God and begin to think about the things of God. This brings us to our verse, which was already read for us this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed. To this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And I used to read that verse and I thought, well, I just got to think better. I just got to put some more. I got to do harder. I got to do better. I got to try harder. But back to our first point, you got to let Christ have control. Every thought has to be taken captive for him. That's the goal. And when that transformation happens in your mind, then... The verse goes on to say, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You ever ask yourself, I wonder what God's will is. The answer to that is you can know God's will, according to Romans 12 2, if your mind is controlled by Christ and the spirit indwells within you and you are putting up guards to keep the water pure then you can know what the will of God is. It's not that hard to know it when you've been thinking about it, when you've been letting him control your mind and your heart. Turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You should know this from last year, but go ahead and turn there. Because that, that mind continues to, to produce beautiful jewels. Chapter 1, verse 8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. I want to back up, because what he said there is so important. Meditate on God's law day and night. When you, as you do that, as your mind marinades in the juices of God's holy writ, and then, then when you begin to apply it, the scripture says, then you will have good success. Most of the time we get that backwards. I want good success. I want a good paying job. I want a successful family. I want kids to be successful in these things. I want all of these good things, and then when everything's perfect... Then I will read my Bible a little bit more. Then I will focus on God. And God says that's not how it works. You've got to have my word first in you. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? Did you catch that? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. If you want success, whether that's eternal success, marital success, parenting success, business success, relationship success, keep your mind tuned and in tune to the word of God. Now, I want to take for this last point. Make a little illustration here. I know I use water bottles and. Let's say that this is not your mind, but your life. Everything that God's doing in your life and in really life going on, in, in every, this is everything that's going on right now. Okay, Tyler, can I get you to come up here and help me with this, bud? This is what's happening in your life. This is what's happening in your neighbor's lives. This is what's happening all throughout the world. Now, what happens is that the enemy is still working. And he's creating sin. He's creating problems. He's creating difficulty in our world, in our nation, in the church. In your life, that black dot represents all of that bad stuff. Turn over that way so those good folks can see it. And turn over that way so those good folks can see it. Now my question is, when you saw it, what did you see? The first thing that you, you drew your attention, because you're all a bunch of pessimists, is the black dot. And you've got to focus your mind in a different direction and stop seeing this and start seeing all of this. This is where the enemy started. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, he said, did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree of the fruit of the garden? He focused on what God said they couldn't do. They had a whole garden full of trees and goodness and wonderful things that they could partake of. And what did the enemy point to? The one thing that he said, no. The enemy starts in the negative. He's always focusing on the negative. The news focuses on the negative. Social media dwells in the in the negative. Entertainment dwells in the negative. And if we're not careful as kingdom people, we can focus on the negative. We can start whining, whining instead of winning. We can start murmuring. Or we can start being on a mission. We can focus all our attention and our prayer life and our thought life and our conversations on things that aren't. Or we miss and we miss out on all of the good stuff that God is doing, that God continues to do. We have to focus intentionally and purposefully and practically on the positive things. Because your thoughts are like a boomerang. You get out exactly what you, you get back exactly what you throw out. I want you to think about how you can be a more constructive Christian instead of a complaining Christian. I want you to think about how you can start saying, not impossible, but I am possible. I want you to start, stop looking at all of the obstacles and start focusing at all of the opportunity that God has put in your life. You see, there's the only way to get to this point is to do one simple thing, and that's to practice. Positivity. the, The very simple way to do this is one word. Whatever. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. The scripture tells us whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Think about these things. God needs God, his people to be a positive, forward-thinking people and not a negative, whining, complaining. I, this is funny. Preachers get all sorts of self-conscious about all the feedback they hear in their sermon. I've told you this before. You get the positive sermon and you think too highly of it. You get the negative feedback. You take it too much to your heart. I am so focused on keeping the sermon at a certain time. I've asked our worship people to to be mindful of that time so that I can get up here and deliver a timely sermon. Because at a certain point, you start to go. uh. One time, I was so frustrated with the focus on the time that I did. I'm not kidding. I set a record, a 19 minute sermon intentionally. Because I was tired of focusing on the time. I left there and I said, I bet no one will complain now. And I kid you not, a sister in Christ, dear sweet sister in Christ, came up to me and said, well, you went a little short today. I, I had food for the guest lunch. and didn't have time to warm up. Oh, my goodness. And I don't do that to pick on that dear Christian sister, only to say this. We get to choose what kind of people we're going to be. And we also get to choose what kind of church we're going to be. And Northside, I've determined, is going to be a church that focuses on the this and not the that. Northside's going to be a people that focuses on the whatever. Because the whatever is the stuff that affects our thinking. And the whatever is allows us to move forward and to see not the impossibilities, but the I am possibilities. So let us focus on our whatever and see what God is doing. Thank you, Tyler. Will you take that back to your seat? Colossians chapter three, verse two says, set your minds on things above and not on things that are below. In order for a runner to finish the race. He's got to focus on things which are above. He's got to focus on the finish line. We have to focus on things that are above. We have to focus on the finish line. My question for you this morning is, are you focused on the finish line? Are you focused in a way in your thinking that allows God to do the work of all that's possible? If you have not, first, as our very first point, let Christ have control of your mind. If the Spirit does not dwell in you, if you've not been forgiven of your sins, you can do that this very morning. And we'd love to help you with that by taking your confession of Christ and putting putting you into the waters of baptism. But if you've done that and you've let the enemy take back over your mind and your heart, if you've let his negativity seep back into your mind, it's time for a reset. It's time to let him reset your thinking. We can help with that. We'll pray for you and encourage you and talk about all the good things God is doing and invite you to be a part of that. If you have a need this morning, if you need Christ, or if you need to have your mind reset, let us help you as together we stand and sing.